Welcome to the Cascade Church Portland podcast. We're a church that works to be both safe to be and safe to grow through our commitment to intentionality, diversity, curiosity, prayer, and advocacy. Enjoy! Let's define this for a minute. One, to engage in contemplation or reflection. Okay. Number two, to engage in mental exercise such as concentration on one's breathing or repetition of a mantra for the purpose of reaching a heightened level of spiritual awareness. Okay, does that sound so Eastern to you? I love this. Anyway, three, to focus, and I like that, by the way. Eastern is good in this. I like this. Uh, To focus one's thoughts on or reflect on or ponder over. Okay, so we're talking about a bit of focus here. We're talking about... uh, contemplating, reflecting, staying in one place mentally for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, we have a video that Connie found and wanted to share that probably will explain it a little more scientifically, if yes. you will, than we might, right. <laughs> jokers can do. Well, Lindsay and I are therapists, so, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about the brain just about any time we're up here because it's important. Uh, our brain, you know, clearly regulates so much of our bodies, minds, emotions, spiritual life. And so this is a, uh, this is a quick four-minute video on, the, uh, on meditation, a real cool slant on it, actually. So go ahead. And Connie has a crush on this uh, person. So. Mindfulness neuroscience. It's just his accent. Sponsored by the Integrative Health Convention. What if you could know how the mind worked? so that you could make it work even better with a simple brain training exercise. The exercise is mindfulness meditation, and the following video will explain simply the current neuroscience research on how the brain works normally, and how you can have the power to change it with mindfulness meditation. There is emerging evidence that mindfulness meditation causes changes in the structure and function of brain regions involved in the regulation of attention, emotion, and self-awareness. Functional MRI studies of the brain show that when someone is daydreaming or just not doing anything, our brains show consistent activity in certain regions. Some studies suggest as much as 45% of our time is spent daydreaming. These areas together are called the default mode network, or DMN. The interesting thing about the default mode network is that it involves parts of the brain responsible for thinking about yourself and rumination, areas which are correlated with some mental illnesses such as depression and anxiety. One of the interesting brain areas making up the default mode network is the amygdala, the region of the brain largely responsible for the fight-or-flight response and is seen to be more active when people are stressed. Just as the brain has a default mode network when we are daydreaming or not thinking about anything in particular, it has an opposite network of brain activity known as the task positive network or TPN that is active during attention demanding tasks. Only one network can be active at any one time. So in summary, the default mode network can be said to be a ruminative network. It directs our awareness to the past and future while largely ignoring the present. And while the DMN can be used responsibly for planning and organizing, we must be wary of the negative aspects of it. The task positive network can be said to be responsible for 
present moment awareness, being in the here and now. It is the action at work. When the TPN is activated, and we are in the present, there is no rumination, there is no worry, there is no past, there is no future, because the DMN is inactivated. And again, only one system can be active at any one time. By activating the TPN, we deactivate the DMN. So the next time you feel down, or ruminating on events of the past, or worrying about the future, remind yourself of the power of the task positive network, the TPN. All you have to do is bring attention, for example, to your breath, or a sound, or a sensation, such as the warmth of the sun on your skin. Then if you find that your mind wanders, as the DMN begins to take over, activate your TPN again by bringing your attention back to your breath or sound sensation. Experienced meditators have been found to have smaller amygdalas responsible for stress. And so this change in structure of their brains means that they are able to react differently to the stresses and strains of everyday life. Research also shows that the more you practice mindfulness meditation, the easier it is for you to activate your TPN and deactivate your DMN. With what you've learned now, you can begin to enjoy being in the present and begin changing your brain and your life for the better. Welcome to Inner Peace. Thank you for watching and please subscribe now. Thank you for letting us geek out a minute. Um, Connie, we are therapists, but we are not in a therapy office. We are our natural not. habitat. Um, why are we talking about this right now? In church. In church. Why here? Why? Right here. I'm asking right here. you. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll help us, Lindsay. Um, yeah, that's a, it's a great question because this is all fine. Like, like she said, for a therapist office, what's the connection with spiritual life? What's the uh, connection with a Christian worldview and framework. And I want to go through, I think you're going to tie these into what we're just watching, and I want to go through a few ideas and passages real quickly to, to make some connections. Before I even start, are you guys making some connections? First of all, I, I'm going to go off track. I'm a rabbit trail for a half a second. I, I don't believe in this huge disconnection between the secular and the sacred. I don't think that was ever God's design. I, I think that has been a very false, a false dichotomy uh, historically in the Christian church. And we're going to talk more about that even in terms of the physicality of, of our spiritual life here in a minute. And so to me, this is spiritual. This is, this is part of spiritual life. But I'm going to tie it in for those of you who want to make a few more connections. All right. First of all, these are profoundly Christian themes. One of them is control over our thoughts. All right? An awareness, that sense of focus. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, you guys know this uh, verse probably. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I think one of the cool things about meditative practice is we become aware of our thoughts. We think we're aware of our thoughts. We're not. We're in default mode network so much, and it's just going and going and building stories and narratives and, and our heads, you know, we're, we are not often in that uh, task-positive network. That's part of this, taking thoughts captive. 
Um, worry and anxiety. Got some anxiety up there, right? Um, to me, this really ties into Matthew 6 and Jesus' words. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, about your clothes, what you'll wear. Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap and store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So this today orientation. Are you not much more valuable than they? Okay. Can one of you by worry add a single hour to your life? So worry is very future. I always tell my clients that anxiety is um, future, fantasy, future negative fantasies. It's fantasizing. It's a big fantasy out there. Anxiety is what could happen. And it's, it's in the realm of fantasy. This brings us back to the here and now that Jesus is asking us to be present in and not all out there. And another, well, staying present, that's another one. In Matthew 6, again, um, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love Matthew 6, 11, a few verses before. Give us this day our daily bread, very, very here and now. Frankly, I'm the sort, I'm a, I'm a compulsive planner, i.e. can be very prone to anxiety. And I'm always planning out ahead. That's part of a gift. It's, it's a strength. It's a, it's a skill. And did you notice that be careful with the planning? A default network goes into planning mode. It's just thinking ahead all the time. Not all bad, but not helpful at certain points. So that sense of staying present is really a big deal. Good. No, I think these are all, we all know these we verses do. well. I mean, we so know these. This is not like brand new information. Mm -hmm. But like how, when someone's suffering from mental health stuff, depression, anxiety, which the majority of all adults will suffer from sometime. at some time in their life, um, how is this helpful? Yeah, it, well, a part of this, I think it goes back to this task positive network that the video was talking about. And it brings us both depression and anxiety in different ways are, are can be parts. Some of it's chemical, you guys. Some of the time this is a bodily thing that needs to be corrected medically. But sometimes it's because of how our default mode network has dug paths into our brain about anxious thoughts, about anxiety, about constantly planning ahead with an illusion of safety. If we just figure out every worst case scenario, then we can protect ourselves from it. Am I the only one who does that? <laughs> only one. I mean, I know, I know some of you out there do that, just that worst case scenario out there all the time with this illusion that we can be protected. So these passages, they're quite straightforward. And for somebody like me, they're quite difficult to implement. They're, and, and I see the good in it. I go, oh, yes. But what is going to happen next week exactly? <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's that default mode network. It just goes off. And so the whole practice of meditation is bringing us back to the present. And it trains our brain to get out of default mode network when we don't want to be in it. So we're able to internalize these passages and these ideals better. Yes, it totally. Have space. Thank you. See, yeah. She said in one phrase what I just rambled on. Exactly, it does. It, it, it helps us internalize it, and it helps develop neural pathways that are more familiar in that task-positive net mm -hmm. uh, mode. Task-positive network, I think they called it. Yeah, that that way of thinking about it. So, what would you say you see from clients? Who are who begin to practice meditation and mindfulness? What do you notice? Well, a lot of stuff that we've just just talked about um, definitely drops in anxiety and usually some relief of depression. 
Um, and again, awareness, self-awareness, mm -hmm. this, we think we know what we're thinking. You guys, we don't. <laughs> we, we really don't. We're not aware of our thoughts most of the time. Um, and, and so that awareness of saying, oh, look where my mind is going right now. Look how it's starting to spin off into this future fantasy or, or this past thing I can't let go of. I'm back here chewing on it, ruminating. Mm -hmm. That's part of that default mode network. And so I see a relief in both of those, mm -hmm. hugely, with depression. Yeah, I read a study a while back that said they had people write down every single thought they had for an hour. Oh, man. And the vast majority for this whole group of people was 90% negative. Mm -hmm. And the people were really surprised and shocked that I'm a positive person. How could I be right. thinking negative stuff all the time and not even be aware of it? So I think totally. that's the self-awareness that you're talking about. It's totally the self-awareness. Yeah. And, that, and that brings up a passage in Luke that I love around self-awareness. In Luke 6, why, you guys will love this one too, but think about this in terms of self-awareness. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in, our, in your own? A lot of times that's because we don't see the plank in our own. It's right here. We, I can't see my hand right now. But if but I can your back... therapist can. What's that? What's that? <laughs> your therapist can. Yes. Oh, my therapist can and does. Rude. Um, and so if I can pull that back and actually observe my thoughts, I can see that log in my own eye. And it's very, it's, it's hugely helpful. And so. once you see the thing, you're able to work through the thing. Yes. Yeah. If, we're, if we're not aware... I'm just going to go on a little story here. I had something really pretty profound happen to me along these very lines of thought process. At the turn of the year here, I went out to dinner with my husband on, the, on New Year's Day, and I was reflecting on the previous year in 2018. And I, out at dinner at a restaurant, I literally teared up, saying this year has felt demoralizing, exhausting, depleting. And that was... That was the narrative mm -hmm. that I felt about the year and how I had pictured the year in so much that I had beat my brains out trying to get some stuff going and there was just not traction and momentum. And, and uh, I went home that night and thought, you know, Connie, you know, you, you know where you could take this, so let's do it. So my hubby went to bed and I stayed up and I went back through my 2018 calendar, found 24 tremendously positive events, uh, conversations, re new relationships. What were those 24, not minor, major highlights of 2018? Rewrote that story, re rewired my brain. My mood has actually shifted since the beginning of the year. The fall was a really slugging it through sort of exhausted time. My mood has very much shifted. Part of that story and awareness of, oh, this is what I'm doing with 2018. Yeah, one of the things I do with clients often is we have our to-do list, right, where we have all the things that we need to get done, which is future right. planning. Um, what's helpful is to write down a ta-da list. What are all the things that I have been doing? I look at my calendar, mm -hmm. how I've been spending money, my time, my resources, and usually it makes a lot of sense to how I'm feeling. Right. You know, if I've been spending a lot of time doing work, I'm going to be exhausted. Right. That makes sense. Right. Exactly. And yeah, and also to notice that we're doing way more than we think we are. Right. And and I think, you know, telling the story uh, more accurately 
for, for me, that was more positively. And right. I see myself as a pretty positive person. But boy, if how I was telling the story of 2018 was pretty pretty dark. Yeah. You know, so that's, so. that's the self-awareness in play. Yes, yeah. The subconscious is kind of telling you one story, but reality might be actually different. Right. Even lo- though you're a very self-aware person, that kind of still struck you. Right, and I feel pretty self-aware yeah. <laughs> until something like that shows me how unaware I am of mm-hmm. my thought process, like all of us are at points. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. So, do we yeah. head to this, ne- this next section? Yeah. Um, let's see. Where were we? We kind of sidetracked there. This is the we problem did. when Connie and I teach together. Yeah, no, I could just talk to fun. you for hours. That's right. And so, uh, where, where are we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. But we're looking, I, I, we're just right here? Yeah, okay. somewhere around here. So what have you noticed coming out of these meditation practices? Okay, what, yeah. what I'm hoping outcomes are for, for meditation and what they are, if you practice it enough, it absolutely is. And that is, there's certain things that meditation is going to remove, okay? One of them is white noise. I mean, how much white noise do you have in your brain right now listening to something you might even be interested in? Uh, sensory overload. Guys, our lives are just, ah, uh, input overload. Uh, mental hyperactivity, <laughs> okay. Ping pong brain, right? Um, physical speed, just rushing, hurrying. Um, anxiety, depression, we already talked a little bit about those. Those are some of the things that, that hopefully meditation is going to remove. Tie this in spiritually. If we get rid of some of this, if we get rid of white noise, sensory overload, all those things, might our connection with God have a little more space created for it? And that's the point here. Is so you pr- are pr- able pr- to give all your thoughts to God right? And, and, when and you have the space to do so. Exactly. Yeah. And then how it ho- hopefully helps is it's going to slow me down. This is the part I love and hate about meditation for me. I do everything fast. And meditation demands my whole system back it down and slow down. Uh, It opens me up. It centers me. uh, Makes me aware of my own thoughts. We're talking about this. Uh, When we put our our attention on our breath, my attention stays on my breath around two, if on a good day, three breaths, and then I'm off planning what I'm going to make for dinner, okay? That's just what our brains do. The point of meditation is to go, oh, look at that. Sure enough, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that. Let's bring it back to here. And that consistent bringing back is a part of, it's not just staying with the idea that's good for our brain, it's the bringing it back. It's, it's, it's great. So awareness of our own thoughts. Um, helps, me connect, helps us connect to our bodies. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to open that up here in a minute. Helps us, yeah. And creates an intentional space for becoming aware. And I love the verse, when we're thinking of opening ourselves and creating space, God, God, uh, Oh my gosh, story of Elijah, so, so good. God and him are kind of in a, a bit of a tiff. Well, Elijah's in a tiff. But, and so God says, there's he, a context to this, but just the part I want to point out is, go stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Okay, you're going to hear from God here, people. And Elijah's like, got it. I'm, in, I'm on. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. Yeah, that's a little intense. And shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Okay? After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Okay, that's kind of a big deal. I'd be going, well, wind, earthquakes, God, what are you saying? And after, uh, after the earthquake came a fire 
but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, or what we used to say, I think, in the King James, a still, small voice. That's what we're wanting to create space for. Sometimes God does speak to us in the wind and earthquakes. I have been smashed over the head a few times by God trying to get something through. But I think he wouldn't have had to had I created some space right. for that for that still, small voice. So meditation is the practice of creating space. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think that's at least a huge part of it. Yeah. For us as believers in particular, yeah. um, to create space for what? Invitation, really. Yes, yeah. yes an invitation. Invitation so. for us to pay attention to where God is. Yeah. yeah, totally. You mentioned connection with your body. Yes. I know you have a story about this. I do. Um, the... When I was a kid, there were several factors in my life growing up with parents who, who loved me and were supportive of me, but were also very harsh and harsh with physical discipline. And I learned very quickly to not feel my body. I was good at it. I remember at eight years old, I would brag for a minute. I drove my dad's eight years old, driving my dad's Honda 90 through the woods. I'm bragging. Oh, yeah. I was tough stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would go, and of course, by the time I was 10 and 11, I was wanting to, you know, finding things to jump and catch some air, and I'd wipe out. And like, I remember several times the whole side of my thigh was kind of scraped and bleeding, and I'd come in, I'm like, Mom, where's the back teen? You guys old enough to remember back teen? Okay. Anyway, um, some of you are, but where's the back teen? And, you know, I was like, whatever, and everybody's like, oh, Connie, she's has such a high pain tolerance. Well, that's because I did not, I, I'd lost awareness of my body. So, and so I go into, I had bruises, cuts, I don't know where they come from. That still happens to me. Um, in adulthood, I have had, especially through meditation, started touching base with my body, because part of good meditative practice is not just in the mind, it's a, it's a body awareness. And what I found is there, there was that dichotomy again that evangelicalism in particular implies. They don't say this out loud. But the implication is constantly that the spirit is more connected with the mind and emotions than it is with the body. I'm going to say no go. I don't think so. I really take issue with that. I think there's all kinds of scripture and practices. What would those be that you feel are obvious? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm thinking of Catholic sacraments through, started way back in the, I think, third or fourth century Catholic sacraments, there's seven of them. Four of them are blatantly and explicitly physical. You've got baptism, Eucharist or communion, anointing the sick. We're not just praying for the sick, people. We're doing some physical anointing. And marriage. Can I say sex in church? I think I will. You just anyway, did. I mean, these are physical <laughs> things that are happening that are, pro, that are spiritual sacraments. These are not just in our heads. These are not just things we think. These are physical things. And I'm thinking even of, you know, practices today in the church of, uh, of singing in worship, mm -hmm. fasting. All of these are very physical. Mm -hmm. They're not just here, I'm going to think this in my head, which I think a lot of times historical, historically evangelicalism has said, think it right and you're fine. Yep. But if there's a physicalness to the whole thing. I feel like it's really interesting that you bring that up because in my practice, I see that all the time. So it's not just in church world, but I think our culture is so much about um, fix your brain and you'll be okay. 
Right. You we fix your mental illness or whatever, and it's separate from your physical body and what you're doing, um, your connection with other people. It's just right. a brain problem. And it's so much bigger than this. It's so much bigger. And I think we, we, we take note of our bodies in terms of in this culture, we're worried about how we look. Mm -hmm. And some of us you know, who are health conscious want to keep basic physical health, but we do not connect that to how profoundly spiritual this thing mm -hmm. is. This is, this is how, mm -hmm. how God chose to create us. He didn't create a spirit. He created a body. Mm -hmm. And in meditative practice, that awareness of body I never, I remember, this is going to sound really funny, but a very profound story. I, I was, my, one of the therapists I had just pushed me. He realized how utterly disconnected I was from my body. And I, every time he'd say, he'd say something like, well, where, where do you feel that in your body? I'd just be like, really? Stop it. I, I know what I feel. I don't want to, you know, touch base. And so he worked with me. And I started realizing, oh, this is important. And part of it's because my body hurt, you guys. That's part of why I didn't want to like, listen to it. it. It felt uncomfortable so often. So he said, he said that. And I went in one day and I washed my hands. It was actually right before I saw him. I went in, went to the bathroom, washed my hands in warm water. And it was a cold day. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my goodness. That feels so good. Mm -hmm. Like, oh. There's good things about connecting with my body, too. This warm water on my hand just felt so nurturing and good, something I would have never noticed beforehand. And that, that to me, is profoundly spiritual in, a, mm -hmm. in awareness of what's happening with me. Even when you think about our emotions that um, have a bodily function, if I get goosebumps on the back of my neck, yeah. or our yeah. language and how we say, um, man, that person made my skin crawl. Ooh. Yeah. Like, we have all yeah. these different um, words and language yeah. that are present that we might not even be aware of. Yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah. totally. And Lindsay, I think I want to scoop ahead just due to time a little bit. Um, I, want to, I think I want to go toward uh, what some standard meditative practices are. We've talked about our, our thought process. We've talked about our bodies integrating and, and being, uh, being in our own skin, mm -hmm. being embodied. Um, and can we move ahead to that? Is that... Sound I good? will allow it, yes. Okay, you will. Thank you. She gives me permission. No, Connie. What does meditation look like for you? Like, how have you okay. practiced it? Yeah, that's, good. that's a good, that's a great question. Um, it's looked like a lot of things for me. Um, when I first started, I started like I do many things. My husband says I do everything like I'm killing snakes. Hyper-focused, fast, like my life depends on it, you know, and very intense. Um, I'm with JR on this one. You what? I'm with JR on this one. I know. Anybody who knows me, like, oh, yeah, she kills snakes. You know, I come home, I say, it was a good day. He goes, how many snakes did you kill? I'm like, whatever. Anyway, so, so I started meditating like I was killing snakes, of course. I started hard and fast and immediately learned, oh, gosh, I'm getting in my own way. That's part... But this is part of the self-awareness that meditation does, is I'd start breathing, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to breathe, breathe. Oh, gosh, my mind just wandered. Come on, back to breathe. When you think meditation, not you think in intensity. Yeah, yeah not uh -huh. helpful. Those go hand in hand, I think, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but that's part of meditative practice, is it shows you what you do. Right. It show, it, in that one, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And in meditative practice, you get to observe your own stuff. And so I, I meditate in several ways. First of all, meditation always starts with breathing, awareness always. 
primarily starts with awareness of your breathing. It's part of getting back in your own body. And then secondarily, I know I need to go through a basic body scan to get awareness of my physicality because it's given me all kinds of important information, mm -hmm. all kinds. So I've done that. And um, then often I will grab an idea. I know you guys will laugh at this, but two of my favorite words, contrary to killing snakes, that I have breathed, breathed through as I meditate have been slow breathing. And as I breathe out, I, I, I think the word slow. So good for me, specifically me. Some of you who move slower, you won't need that. But for me, I need that. And the other one has been ease or easy. It's been very important. I don't do things easy. I tend to find the most intense, difficult way to do it and then just do it rather than what about ease? What about that? So I've grabbed a few words. Uh, uh, release is another great word that I've used. Release on that out, out breath. So to grab some words. That's kind of how I've, I've been doing some of it. Yeah, I feel like when you say ease and slow, that really is countercultural as well. You know, we get... counter Connie. Yes. Well, we get... <laughs> counter Connie. Yes. yes. Uh, we get rewarded, actually, for being fast. Yeah. We get rewarded for um, doing all the things, for multitasking. Yeah. And so it can feel um, kind of wrong or almost bad to slow yeah. down and have right. ease. And so maybe even the self-awareness of, does that feel bad to you? Yeah. Does it feel counter counterintuitive? Right. And maybe even guilty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like meditation has come very naturally and easy to you. It, <laughs> it, is, it, is, it, is, it is incredibly rewarding. Is that the same thing? No. Okay. <laughs> I think it it's is, just good to clarify that for most people trying meditation, if you were to sit down and say, I've never meditated, I'm going to do it for an hour. <laughs> no. That's going to be terrible. Good luck with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I actually want to watch that. That'd be pretty yeah, fun. Yeah, I'll watch. But mm -hmm. I think that if you can realize with anything, it's building muscle. If it I is. try it this is. for a minute and notice mm -hmm. what happens. And I think the key word here is non-judgmentally. It is. To oh, notice yeah. um, when I do this thing, can I do it without judging myself? Like, right. man, I suck at meditation. Right. I'm the worst. My brain is crazy. I'm so anxious. Right. I'm so dot, dot, dot. Fill in the blank with that gnarly negative self-talk that we can Absolutely. have. Absolutely. But instead to say this kind of growth mindset language of I'm interested in learning this new thing and I'm going to have a beginner mindset. Beginners usually aren't great at the thing they're starting. And so can totally. I come to this beginner mindset place of saying I might be terrible at this. This might be uncomfortable, but that's all just data. That's all information for me to learn from, not failure. Exactly, because there really is no success or failure in meditation. Your mind wanders. You go, oh, look, that's that interesting what it wandered to. That wandered a long time. Interesting that that happened a long time. Non-judgmentally, gently, bring it back to a focus. And, and that's just great practice in so many regards. So... And I, maybe sometimes you have to do it a hundred times over. Oh, you know, pull it back. Yeah. It's part of, it's called yeah. a practice for yeah. a reason. So. so I would say that it's not some people are built or it's more natural for meditation. Oh, I but avoid that word it like the practice. Plague. Totally. Yeah. I avoid meditation. I watch myself avoiding it all the time. And I've been practicing it now for pushing five years pretty yeah. regularly. And the other day I hadn't meditated for a long time. And my hubby went to bed, and I said, I'll be in in a minute. And so I, you know, spent some time, I don't know, it was probably about 10 minutes, just really breathing and doing some meditative practice. And <laughs> I walked back, and he goes, how was it? I said, it was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and it is because I didn't realize how miserable my body was 
It was stressed hugely. Was it important that I meditated? Oh, huge. Yeah. Did it help my stress? Yes, to a, a degree. More importantly, it says take note. Look at your body. Yeah. Look at how stressed your body is telling you you yeah. are. And it was a real... It, was it brilliant meditation? Oh, no, not that time. Was it effective? Absolutely. Yeah. It was so effective, and I wasn't even doing it great, whatever that even means in meditative yep. practice. So. And I think even as we think about it being beautiful in Portland now, and we're all like, I should go on a run. That's mm -hmm. not, I haven't moved my body in six mm -hmm. months. I should go on a run. Mm -hmm. That's my thought mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. And I if I got 10K. Uh -huh. uh, sign, yeah, going to do that. But to notice that, I would be ridiculously sore if I just got up and ran a 10K totally. after not training for it. And so this, again, this beginner mindset right. of let's start small, let's take some baby steps. Yes, and, yeah. and I want to lead you guys in a meditative practice here for just a few minutes. But before I do, these baby steps she's talking about, at the very end of service, we will dismiss you probably a little quieter than usual, and that's fine. You guys will get loud eventually. I know you. That's fine. Um, but I'm going to have some meditate, meditation apps up here, some of the best, some of the real standard good apps. I will have them put up. At the end. No, don't write those down right now. Anyway, I want to take you through a meditative practice, and those will be up there at the end. And so you can write, jot those down if you're interested, because this will help you go through. Uh, start at two minutes. Start at three. Start at five. Don't start much more than five. I started at 20. It was ridiculous. It was way harder than I needed it to be. Killing snakes. Uh, no, see, killing snakes. It was not, it was not wise. So. Okay, so I want you guys, is it okay if I do this? Now, let me say this. I'm going to take you through an exercise if you want to. Those of you, some of you may be like, yeah, this is not, I'm not doing this. Grab your phones, have fun, play your games, it's fine. Whatever you need to do. <laughs> Facebook for a while, whatever. But for those of you who would like to go through just a little bit of practice here together, and I think there's some power in doing it as a group from time to time, um, I'd love you to join me in this, Okay. So, um, and there again, you guys are going to have all different perspectives on this. Don't worry. Seriously, check out if you need to. You know, don't, you don't need to work with us on this. But those of you who would like to. You're making this sound very scary. No, it's not scary. <laughs> I'm just saying I know that there's a lot of different feelings about this in the room. So I'm, I'm all good with that. No, not scary. This is breathing, people. Basically breathing. Okay, I would like you to go ahead. And if it helps you to close your eyes, I know for me it does. And I'm going to slow down my pace as I talk even here for a bit. I'd like you to take in two really good breaths, usually in through your nose, out through your mouth. Just go ahead and try to take them some pretty slow, deep breaths. I want you to notice your breathing. After those breaths, go to a regular breathing rate and just notice what the body sensations are around your breathing. Where do you feel your breathing? As you notice, your thoughts are going to wander. I want you to bring your thoughts gently, a gentle focus back onto your breathing. No judgment about your thoughts wandering. They will. Notice what that breath feels like. As you continue breathing, I want you to start taking note of your body. I want you to notice what the top of your head feels like right now. What the back and side of your head feels like. What 
your face feels like. Notice any tension, any pain. Notice your neck. And your shoulders and chest. And upper back. Just notice, what are you feeling? Down into your arms, upper arms, lower arms, and hands. Any energy, movement, pain, tension. Into your stomach and abdomen. Notice what's happening there in your lower and mid-back. And into your hips and upper legs. Notice what's happening there. And into your calves. And finally into your feet and toes. Just take note of those sensations. I'd like you to bring your attention back to your breath. Notice how your body differs from when you started this exercise just about four minutes ago. As you sit there, Lindsay is going to read a benediction. And if I were you, I, we're going to do our benediction seated today. And just allow Lindsay's words to sink in as she reads this benediction. This is from Henry Nouwen. The voice of despair says, I sin over and over again. After endless promises to myself and others to do better next time, I find myself back again in the old dark places. Forget about trying to change. I've tried it for years. It didn't work and it will never work. It's better that I get out of people's way, be forgotten, and no longer be around, dead. This strangely attractive voice takes all uncertainties away and puts an end to the struggle. It speaks unambiguously for the darkness and offers a clear-cut negative identity. But Jesus came to open my ears to another voice that says, I am your God, I have molded you with my own hands, and I love what I have made. I love you with a love that has no limits, because I love you as I am loved. Do not run away from me. Come back to me, not once, not twice, but always again. You are my child. I am your God, the God of mercy and compassion, the God of pardon and love, the God of tenderness and care. Please do not say that I've given up on you, that I cannot stand you anymore, that there is no way back. It is not true. I so want you to be with me. I so much want you to be close to me. I know all your thoughts, I hear all your words, I see all of your actions, and I love you because you are beautiful, made in my own image, an expression of my most intimate love. Do not judge yourself, do not condemn yourself, do not reject yourself. Let my love touch the deepest, most hidden corners of your heart and reveal to you your own beauty, a beauty that you have lost sight of, but that will become visible to you again in the light of my mercy. Come, let me wipe your tears, and let my mouth come close to your ear and say to you, I love you, I love you, I love you.
feel free to quietly come back here to the present. And as you are ready and wanting to leave, this will be a little different, but feel free. You are dismissed. We'll see you next week.